right, and this is Wednesday's edition of Discussions of Truth. You have joined Winwood Radio. That is Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Both handles, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Happy midterm. Whether your candidate won or not, my message to you is that should be beside the point. Okay, fine. Yes, vote. Get out, vote. That's the very least you can do. But we have a much, there's further skin layers to this onion. And you need to start digging, folks. Past episode, Paul Craig Roberts. If you're not familiar with who he is, he was a senior economic advisor under the Reagan administration. World-renowned economist. He was on the program a few months ago. He says, Ian, Americans no longer have any rights. You don't have any rights. Constitutional rights you don't have. It's a facade. Okay, that's not verbatim, but that's the basic message that he said. Ray McGovern, he's been in D.C. for over three decades. Right-hand man in the CIA, that's my terminology, with George Bush Sr. Somewhere along the line of his almost 30-year career in the CIA, he said, wait a second. You know, this is, there's, no, no, there's, there's, there's too much intrusion. It's beyond fringe. This is wrong. I says, I said, Ray, I said, what can you tell us about the military-industrial complex? What can you tell us about that? Because as Eisenhower was exiting office, he warned Americans of that. And if this is a new phrase to you, welcome to the program. The military-industrial complex, he rephrased that. He said, no, Ian, it's not that. It's no longer that. It is now the military-industrial-media Complex. Are you familiar with yellow journalism? Ever familiar with that? William Randolph Hearst? Do you know who that person is? Yellow journalism. Do you believe everything you see when you turn on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News? Do you notice how Fox News and MSNBC try to get you to one side or the other? You call that journalism? Do you call that free media? I don't. When I want news... I want to make my own opinion. Impeach mass media. Impeachmassmedia.com, as a matter of fact. And if you're in Periscope, you can find me right now wearing that T-shirt. Donate 50 bucks to the program. I'll send you one. It's a nice, quality, comfortable, comfortable cotton. I don't wear anything else. I want people to support me to be comfortable. Okay, so what we have today is an incredible show, as they always are. Author and Temple University professor Joan Mellon, she's written over 22 bucks. She spent 50 years in academia at Temple University, to my knowledge. Her newest book, Blood in the Water, argues that U.S. President Lyndon Baines Johnson ordered a hit on his own naval ship, even the USS Liberty, a U.S. spy ship, 
an auxiliary intelligence research ship in its day. It was the world's highest equipped ship for intelligence. That is the that means that is it was the most in, uh, up to scale intelligence ship on the planet in any any anybody's navy. It was in international waters during the Six Day War. That Israel, amongst uh, another country, a couple other countries, but primarily Egypt, was involved in, the boat was attacked by Israeli forces. An eight-hour surveillance. Was in Israel, Israel is a, a friend, not foe. So why was this ship attacked in 67 by Israel? Okay, an accident. That's what Israel is saying. Mellon's work, which includes a farewell to justice, our man in Haiti, and great game in Cuba, explored the history of the Central Intelligence Agency. She says, and she'll be joining us in a matter of moments, that blood in the water describes how the United States, Lyndon Bain Johnson and Israel, conspired to form a collusion to ambush the USS Liberty. We will hear from her in moments. Next week, we will be joined by vaccine fighter, Dr. Judy Mikovits. One scientist's intrepid search for the truth about human retroviruses and chronic fatigue syndrome, autism, and other diseases. She'll be joining the program. She has a stalwart career regarding many aspects of medicine, including the National Cancer Institute in Frederick, Maryland. And on the 21st of this month, Christopher Fulton will join us. He spent time behind bars because of the information he had in regards to the Kennedy assassination. This is the era. This is the Trump era. Welcome to it. Like them or not, this is what we're dealing with. Fake news. And as a matter of fact, for me, this journey started two years ago. Coming up on two years in the broadcast booth here in Winwood Radio. Because of a virus called Zika. Christopher Fulton's forced descent into the darkest parts of government power has now boomeranged. On that power, Fulton has not come back from hell, USA, with a silenced voice. He has miraculously survived to share with us all the truths we must know if we are to keep our America the land of the free. This coming from Don Clark, journalist, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times are not light words. These are heavy times, Americans. And I urge you not to take sides politically because your political party system is a complete mess. The book is submitted for the Pulitzer Prize, The Inheritance, Poison's Fruit of JFK's Assassination. He will be on the program the 21st. The book will be available for purchase on the 22nd. We'll close out this month with David H. Janda, MD. He hosts Operation Freedom on WAAM Talk 1600. He's an orthopedic surgeon based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
He's got some things to say. Again, we're going to go down the vaccine world about and, and, and some other items as well. Just added to the program. Actually, I'm going to cut to a quick break, and I'll be back, right back. I'll introduce, I'll introduce who's been added to the program, and go from there. Thanks for tuning in. This is Discussions of Truth on Winwood Radio. I'm back. I want to quickly, before we bring on our next guest, I want to quickly mention the following. We've got a slate of incredible guests, as always, lined up for this program. Jeffrey Morley, excuse me, Jefferson. I I know I think he goes by Jeff. I'll introduce him on the 12th of December. He's a Washington, D.C.-based author and veteran journalist of over 30 years. His novelistic nonfiction books explore untold chapters in the history of the American nation. He applied his investigative reporting talents to a 15-year career at the Washington Post. Marley combines granular detail, quotes, with storytelling venue, end quote, to capture unknown realities of subjects as disparate as the Central Intelligence Agency and America's legacy of racial violence. His writings have appeared in such publications as Salon, The Atlantic, and The Intercept and The Washington Post. Morley is one of the world's most credible authorities. We're going to dive down again on the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. He's an editor of the blog, JFK Facts. He sued the CIA for central, certain records related to the Kennedy assassination in 2003. Fourteen years later, his lawsuit, Morley versus CIA, is still active in federal court. Why? 
He is author of three distinguished books, of which Our Man in Mexico, his biography of the CIA's Mexico City Station Chief Winston Scott. Jefferson's current work is a blog called No Other Than the Deep State. Some other great guests lined up for you. Thanks for tuning in to Winwood Radio. As mentioned, we will be returning with author of Blood in the Water, Temple University professor Joan Mellon. I'll be right back after this. Well, Metallica, think too much. Welcome back. This is Discussion to Truth. Every Wednesday, 5 o'clock, I'm right here, Winwood Radio. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Handle is I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. And certainly, patron the recent campaign that has launched Impeach Mass Media. We have with us today a very special guest from Temple University in Philadelphia, author of Blood in the Water, Joan Mellon. Joan. Are you with us? I am. Hi, Ian. Hi. Nice to meet you, and thank you for graciously coming on to our program. I think most Americans have no clue about the book that you have written. Joan, would you take a moment and please tell us a little bit about who you are, what you've done in the past, and what got you inspired to write a book regarding this that, you, that you've written? Well, for one thing, I don't teach at Temple anymore. I retired as of this past July. But for many years, I taught in the creative writing program at Temple in the English department. I've written 24 books. This book, Blood in the Water, is my 24th. And it has a subtitle, How the U.S. and Israel Conspired to Ambush the USS Liberty, which tells us a bit about what the thesis of the book is. And a book is about an incident that is very is almost no one knows about it really very few people know about it and how I came about it I was writing a book about Lyndon Johnson and it was published in 2016 it was called 
Faustian bargains. And in the section on Lyndon Johnson's presidency, I discussed the USS Liberty. And how did I find, I didn't know anything about the USS Liberty, but one night somebody, a Texas researcher, called me up and said, are you going to cover the USS Liberty? And I didn't never heard of it. I said, what's that? And so he told me about how Lyndon Johnson called back the planes that were sent to rescue the sailors after they were attacked by rockets and machine guns and all the rest. Uh, uh, they, they, the USS Liberty was an unarmed surveillance ship. It was a spy ship. Its, its role was to tap into cables and listen in on the Soviet Union and, and, and other country, countries in the Middle East. It was not spying on Israel. And Israel, in fact, had nothing to do with it. So then suddenly this attack occurs. And many, the Liberty, they can't defend themselves, so they're just mowed down there by these attacking planes. And then the Israelis also sent torpedo boats. And they fired torpedoes, one of which went through the starboard side of the ship. And people just, I don't know how many died right then and there. And then some drowned because water filled the, the, was, it, the torpedo made a 40-foot hole in the ship. And uh, water came in, and then he drowned like that. So uh, I, there was never a – at the end of the day, mm-hmm. of that day, the same day, June 8th, 1967, Israel took responsibility and said, we did it. It was an accident. It was a mistake. We really thought we were attacking a Egyptian horse freighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is preposterous. It's preposterous today. It was preposterous when it was written in a book about the liberty by a retired bankruptcy judge in um, Florida called Crystal, A.J. Crystal. And uh, there's been a tremendous cover-up. The cover-up began the week after the attack. And the, the sailors on the ship were ordered not to tell anyone about what had happened or where they had been. They went to Malta. The ship did not sink, by the way. The the object actually was to sink the ship. Everyone drowns. No one has any explanation. The, then is uh, the is Egypt is blamed for the attack. The U.S. then bombs Cairo, and the planes were actually sent to bomb Cairo. And they were seven minutes from target when they were called back. And the reason that they were called back is that. Um, the Liberty didn't sink. And, the, and in fact, the sailors sent out an SOS to the 6th Fleet, and uh, the 6th Fleet was uh, told to send planes to help them. They asked for help. I mean, they were drowning and dying, and they asked for help. And uh, the, the, the sea captain, one of them on the USS uh, Saratoga, was an honest man, uh, and he sent planes. And they were called back. By Robert McNamara, and and then uh, the captain could not understand why are they calling back the planes when the people are being attacked. So then, uh, suddenly, 90 minutes later, they sent out two another set of planes. This time from both the Saratoga and the USS America. And uh, they too were called back. And uh, the the admiral who took the call said, "I'm not listening to you," meaning McNamara. And at, at which point, Lyndon Johnson grabbed the telephone and said, call back those planes. I will not embarrass an ally, which indicates that he had foreknowledge of the attack. He knew that an ally had attacked uh, the uh, Liberty. Mm-hmm. And what other ally was in the area? It was, of course, Israel. So I'm, I, and nobody has written about this collaboration between the U.S. and Israel. Most people who've written about it 
blame Israel because they did the they actually did the attack. That's false. It's false to blame Israel. It's false to blame the United States alone. The two of them together committed this act, and uh, the, the the cover up has held for more than fifty years. Now this is the first uh, edition that you've written of this book, and it's and it's yet released. It's it's going to be released in a few weeks. The publisher called me yesterday and said they actually have books, finished books, which Great. is amazing. But the, the Amazon will not release the books until December 11th. But you can order it on pre-order and get a discount that way because it's coming. Because they've already sent me my books since I'm a special character in the story uh, by UPS. So I just got the email, the <laughs> tracking number of the books that were. I was so excited that when UPS came today with two packages, I thought wow. it must be the book. Well, it couldn't be the book. They just mailed it today. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the book. I'm, looking, I'm having a book launch in New Hampshire. And the reason is why New Hampshire? It's because it's the residence of the chief intelligence officer on the USS Liberty who helped me enormously with this book and to whom it is dedicated. That His name is David Edwin Lewis. Okay. Command. Command. Great. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Who's the publisher, Joan? The publisher is Prometheus Books, which is a very small intellectual publisher. And the, the publisher told me, that why did they take this book? It yeah. was because they're very interested in cases of history that have not been ex examined, unresolved uh, issues of history. Excellent. Now, so, so Joan, um, what, was, what was the USS Liberty doing in those waters? Well, nobody knew. And you see, they went up there. It was in the middle of the Six-Day War. I neglected to say that. And uh, this is the Thursday. The Six-Day War began and ended on Monday. The Israelis bombed all the Egyptian airports and airfields and so forth and destroyed everything. And there was no more Egypt. And uh, suddenly, sudden, but that was not the whole story. What, the, what is the motive, you might The motive was to depose Nasser. Nasser had been a thorn in the side of CIA since for years and also in the thorn and thorn in the side of Israel and Israel had concocted a terror campaign a decade earlier in Cairo and Alexandria to set off devices and and these were operatives of Israeli intelligence they were Egyptian Jews who hoped to migrate to Israel and they were to set off uh, various devices bombs in air uh, in post offices and libraries and movie theaters and create such a, dis a havoc that NASA would be undermined by that. The U.S. would then switch its aid, the money it was giving that had been given to Egypt, and give it all to Israel. That was the motive for that. But they hadn't gotten NASA. Somehow NASA was still there. And so this is another attempt to get rid of NASA. NASA was socialistic. He was really neutral. He was a th uh, head of the third world countries that were not aligned, not aligned with the U.S. and not aligned with the Soviet Union. Uh -huh. He was right. an annoyance. Russians didn't like him either, and he had many communists in jail in Cairo for various crimes. So they, the communists were not crazy about Nasser really either. And Israel he, is there. he was a very, he was truly independent. He died a few day, a few years later, uh -huh. and I think three million people came to his funeral. Oh, big. Wow. He was a big figure on the world stage at the time. Yeah. And what was Israel's biggest issue? The, the Six-Day War was primarily Israel and G Egypt, but uh, was were there some outlying countries involved as well, like Syria? 
I don't know the history no, of the six-way war. Only uh, in the sense that Israel was always attacking Syria. Right. And Israel finally attacks Syria and grabs the Golan Heights. And the object was to take Damascus, to go all the way to Damascus. This they did not do. They, they stepped back. What they're doing, obviously, is gaining territory. All the territory that Israel gained in the Six-Day War, they still have. And the settlements, and they, they made settlements, as we know, up there. And, and they, they're, they're, those settlements are still an issue today. Israel never gave back any of the land that it conquered in the Six-Day War. And in and, and Damascus, or, or excuse me, uh, Demona. Demona is a location for the nuclear reactor. Did that come into Demona play Demona is the big location in Israel for their nuclear reactor, nuclear bombs. And the only president of those, in those years that really was uh, questioning that was President Kennedy. President Kennedy uh, uh, wanted inspe- inspections. They wanted He wanted a level playing field on nuclear weapons in the Middle East. And the Israelis t- told him, we, we will not be the first to cre- have an atomic bomb in Israel. Of course, that was a complete lie. But we're used to lying now. But not so much then. It was, it's, it's horrifying to see Shimon Peres and uh, all of the, lying to President Kennedy and saying we will not have a bomb. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm, go ahead. Uh, anyway, when this Kennedy did send inspectors, so then what the Israelis did was create elevators and buildings and efforts to, to conceal the whole thing. And Demona was concealed. It was, I think, what were they calling it? A textile mill or something like that. It was just, uh, they never admit it. To this day, does Israel admit that they have the bomb? They've had the bomb since at least before President Kennedy's time. They took the, they took the uranium from a site in Pennsylvania. Interesting. And, and they brought it over there. And, and that was how they created Demona. And one of the th- things that the head of the Mossad said to the CIA station chief in Tel Aviv was that they, which was false, that the Soviet Union was a union was about to attack Demona. I don't think so. There's no evidence of that. But that was the pretext. See, they needed a pretext. They couldn't just do this. Today, I guess we we still need pretexts. Yeah, it's called the false flag operation. I guess. Yeah, a false flag. Under under what administration did they obtain the uh, uranium there from the U- United States? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Because I can't remember now. It must have been under President Eisenhower. Uh-huh. And, and then Eisenhower... Um, Eisenhower. Because by the time... By the, Eisenhower was neutral. Didn't say anything. But by the time President Kennedy became president, they already had those bombs in, at Demona. Are you familiar with the term military-industrial complex? Yes. <laughs> yes. And also we have to add the word intelligence to that. Oh, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Where do you put the, that word in, 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 in sequence? I don't, I don't know. Mil- military, of course. Intelligence, because the CIA was running the show, and they were really running the country, frankly. President Eisenhower President Eisenhower knew it, and he didn't like it. And one of the things that happened in 1956 during Eisenhower's presidency was that Eisenhower commissioned an, a study of the clandestine services of CIA. You know what they were doing. And so he, who does he hire? He hires James Doolittle. Doolittle was bombing Japan. He was one, one of the aviators in the World War II. And Doolittle didn't know a thing, so he asked Alan Dulles to help him. Well, you oh, can boy. imagine. <laughs> so President Eisenhower read this, and uh, he reassigned it, reassigned the study to a very famous ambassador who may be forgotten today called David K.E. Bruce. And Mr. Bruce, he ultimately he'd been 
uh, ambassador to France, to Germany, to uh, NATO. To, he was the first ambassador to China and so forth. So he did it. He did it with Robert Lovett, who was one of, I think he was the Secretary of Defense under President Truman. And uh, Bruce was adamant that uh, that uh, CIA was, uh, he hated the dirty tricks. And after he wrote the report, he, 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 gave, he was appointed to, that was when he was appointed to ambassador to Germany. And he sent a message to CIA. He says, I don't want to hear the sound of CIA spades digging meaning in, in Bonn, in his, at, at, you know, while he was ambassador. But when during, in 1945, when the, when the idea of CIA was, was raised, Bruce was asked his opinion, and he wrote a very famous article in the Virginia Quarterly Review, in which he said he was, he was afraid of a, a, a new Gestapo. Now, Gestapo, of course, was a word that was very well Germany. used during the, that, right after World War II. Yeah. Saw, he saw the future of CIA in its being a Gestapo, and it's not far from the truth. Certainly they were the engineers of the Vietnam War. Yeah, yes, I, 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 I've um, looked extensively to some degree into um, uh, Anthony Sutton, and, and I mention him frequently on the program. He's a former Hoover Fellow at Stanford. Are, are you familiar with the research that he's done? No. So Anthony Sutton, um, Anthony Sutton basically goes down this industri- military-industrial complex, mm-hmm. but he identifies main players within it, um, and he he roots that through an institution at Yale, um, and 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 uh, such names as uh, Pillsbury, Rockefeller, um, Bush are all tied in to this. Uh, to this institution at Yale. And, I and forget the name of it. What's the name of that institution? Another member of it was James Angleton, what is, who was a head of uh, counterintelligence for CIA for years and years. And what the Harrimans the are tied into it as well. What is the name of that club Well, it's Yale? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's commonly... I can't, forget, I can't think of it. Oh. Sure, it's, it's commonly referred to on, 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 on two different... Most people know it and identify it as the skull and bones. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And and then the, the others, uh, and perhaps members themselves, might refer to it as Lodge Three Twenty Two, but it roots. I don't know about that. It's, we all know it as skull and bones. That's yeah. the common knowledge of. It's even in the movie The Good Shepherd, which is about James Angleton. Yeah, you know, it's it has appearances in in um, there's messages that kind of flash in, you know, in, in, in a TV series and like Batman and, and whatnot. So, um, and certainly, the, you know, Bush has a, a large, a strong connection to the CIA. Um, and, uh, of course... Bush was connected to CIA forever. And yeah. eventually, in a short brief time, he was director of central intelligence. But that was only for about a year as a stopgap during the time of the church committee. But it's all connected, as Don DeLillo writes in his book underworld everything is connected joan maybe it's in libra i don't remember i want to kind of segue and get back to blood in the water i mean this is this is something that obviously means about how this how this crime began how this attack where didn't where i spent half the book discussing the lead up where did the idea come from for an attack on a ship and the false flag operation of course it originated in the remember the maine when the United States attacked its own ship, the the Maine, and blamed uh, Spain, but this is so it's very similar. It's also similar to 
Operation Northwoods, which is a list of dirty tricks that was sent to uh, uh, Robert McNamara to do to Fidel Castro, among which was an attack on a ship and an attack on a building. It sounds like 9-11. So all that, is, there are precedents for this. And of course, there's the Gulf of Tonkin, where we fire on our own ships and blame North Vietnam. So this is a common dirty trick in the bag of dirty tricks. And um, where were we? I'm sorry, I forgot your question. Well, no, I, 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 was, I, I liked where you were going, and, and I was going to throw in for listeners that Cubans, uh, in conjunction with the Russians, were, were um, running surveillance uh, uh, operations um, along the west coast of Africa at the time that the U.S. Liberty... Um, yes, that's right. In fact, that Che was there. So one of the, one of the assignments for the spy ships of the NSA, and this was not the Liberty, but others, was to find Che. That they were obsessed. CIA was obsessed. Find Che. They never did. They, it was eventually got them in. He got him. They got him in Bolivia, but he was in uh, Congo. Interesting. And I discuss it in the book. Uh, my book. I, my book. It's more. It's better told as the subtitle: How the U.S. and Israel conspired right. to. No, wait, I have it in front of me. Ambush. The, the yeah, ambush. Israel conspired to ambush the USS Liberty, and the one thing that the, some of the sailors of the Liberty, when they saw the subtitle, the word that they liked best was ambush, because that's how they felt. They felt they were set up, and they were set up. You might ask, you started to ask, and I didn't answer, how come the Liberty was up there? There was no surveillance. There was no information that they needed that they were supposed to get. They were just up there. They were up there to be attacked. They were up there to be the false flag and to be, to Mm. be the blaming Egypt. They had it. They were there to be sacrificed, scapegoats. And who was the one who sent them up there, you may ask? Well, that leads us to part of other skullduggery, which is something called the 303 Committee, which was operating out of the executive branch of the government. Many CIA figures are sitting there. And, uh, and, but the Lyndon Johnson's aide and uh, person who did his bidding and was Assistant Secretary of Defense, Cyrus Vance, was the one who sent Liberty how did I know that? Nobody knew that. How did I find that out? I'm no great. I'm not the, so brilliant. What happened was there was a report on the after after the fact. There was a report by the Joint Chiefs. They sent a fact-finding mission to de- investigate the situation. They were prepared to cover it up and create pretexts and everything, which they did. But the ones suddenly there's a sentence in that report, this Joint Chiefs report, and it says Cyrus Vance and 303 sent the ship up to the East Mediterranean. They forgot to redact it. One of the reasons you should sit and study and study and read the documents is because they they make make a mistake. That was a big mistake that they made that no one cares, of course, but that's how I know that for a fact. They didn't make anything of it because they're not taking our point of view or my point of view that this is a horrible, terrible, murderous war crime. And, you know, this country prides itself on military and not leaving anybody left on the battlefield. Nobody, no, right? No, and right. here's Johnson leading, leaving all the, not only leaving them on the battlefield, but contributing to their deaths. Right. You know that uh, when, the, when this whole thing was set, set up, and I discussed in the book how um, we, we, we sent planes to bomb Cairo off the USS America. Well, another thing that happened on the early morning dawn hours um, of, uh, of, of, of June 8th, 
the, the strategic air command was set in motion and planes were going went out on the runways with bombs, you know, that like, as in Dr. Strangelove, if you ever saw that, where the planes get ready to send out nuclear bombs. These planes were sent and they were kept running on the runway uh, all ready to go and, and, and were waiting final orders to, for, to go f to, to fly out. Now, and one of the pilots who was in one of these planes, and he was in the Air Force in Sacramento, talked to a writer named Peter Hunam, and uh, there it is. He regretted doing it, of course. People who tell the truth, it's very hard to tell the truth, especially military people. And he was already retired. But uh, but then they, they sometimes make people who are honest, they might just tell the truth because that's the first thing they think of doing. And the planes were also in the, uh, sent out on the runways in Germany and other places where the strategic air command was posted, not just one place. The orders had to come from Offutt Air Force Base in in, in uh, Nebraska. Is it Nebraska? Where is Offutt Air Force Base? That sounds right. Oh, Omaha. That's right. Oh, Omaha. okay. Yeah. In Nebraska. So uh, now I had written about that in, other, in another book. I've written about Offutt Air Force Base and what was going on there. And my book's about the Kennedy assassination. See, I've written before. I, re I wrote a book called The Farewell to Justice, which is about Jim Garrison's investigation of the Kennedy assassination. And Offutt Air Force Base figures in that because one of, Gar one of the people involved in the Kennedy assassination, a friend of Lee Harvey Oswald named Thomas Edward Beckham, was sent to Omaha. What was he doing at Offutt Air Force Base? It was all connected. Anyway, that's, that's another story. No, that's but I've done, I've done a, a big cover book about cover-ups and, and dealing with the Kennedy assassination. And that's how I knew the sailors of the USS Liberty always are asking for a government investigation because they were quite right in saying that the Navy inquiry that was done was co totally corrupted. And they want a government investigation. I try to tell them, I don't, don't, don't say anything, that the Kennedy assassination had a government investigation, didn't it? It was called the Warren Commission. Right. And it was a t total farce. So you don't look to the Fox to discuss what happened in the hen house. <laughs> if I may say that, if you want to talk about the million, military intelligence industrial complex. Well said. I think that the intelligence is far, is far stronger than the industry. Of course, the whole thing is motivated by protection of American business abroad and, and companies, corporations, worldwide corporations, global. You know, I heard Bush, uh, Bush, I heard Trump say today, global. He hated, he, he used the word global, globalized. In what context? In the press conference, they, somebody had, had challenged him for saying that he was a nationalist, which he had, which he did say. And that means something to some people who know history, know what a nationalist is. And it's connected to fascism. Uh -huh. Right? Hitler was a nationalist. They were for Germany. Germany needs more Lebensraum and all other and room to grow and, you know, all that. He doesn't know history, so he doesn't see how closely he paralyzed, parallels rather, uh, uh, fascism. Never mind. That's another subject. Right, no, no, and there's there's so many there, there's so many different tentacles that stretch from so many of these these different 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 subjects. For instance, Hitler, uh, you know, he's working on this superior race, 
of Nordic type people with those features. But Hitler, this predates Hitler, arguably hundreds of years. Uh, and, and certainly in California, and uh, efforts through institutions like Stanford um, and the U.S. Army, there were there are documents that are published that that that, that, that this was happening uh, here in the United States in California. Um, uh, a couple decades before Hitler, but if we even go back further, we can go to Plato. Not not uh, you know, and, and Plato having um, writing about his republic and 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 and, and producing the, the the you know the best type of procreation and and, and matches. Um, but that again, that 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 is something completely different. Um, we've got we've got something here where. Um, you know, U.S. servicemen died very innocently. And what is needing to be spread here, and this story for decades, 50-plus years, has been squashed by mass media, um, the, the key here is that the United States under LBJ uh, knowingly attacked their own ship in conjunction with Israel. Yes, but bear in mind, too, it's so shocking. It seems that all these people, that don't forget, all these servicemen that, and the ones that are surviving, they were all in the military. So it's very hard for them to get their minds around the fact that their own government betrayed them. Right. But they did, and we have Remember the Maine. I'll repeat that again. It's not yeah. the first time, Don't Gulf of Tonkin. It's not the first time that the U.S. fired on its own. Right, 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 and and it's the fault. It's this whole false flag concept, like you've mentioned before. Yes, and uh, uh, but for fifty years, every president and the these survivors, the ones who survived, have been begging president after president, congressmen, senators, to please investigate, to please look into this, to please say something about it. And Dave Lewis, who is as I said, the chief intelligence officer, and um, he was responsible for all these people down there that were where the torpedo hit. Anyway, he called up his own senator up there and asked uh, if he would help. And the senator came to the phone because this is a very folksy type senator that uh, you'd think he, he'd be a likely candidate to in involve himself. And his name was Bernie Sanders. Uh -huh. And Bernie came, comes on the phone and he listens and he says, this is not appropriate. So Dave says, well, I know a rabbi in the area that might, might be the intermediary that could do it. No, that's not appropriate either. And then Dave called his other senator, which was Patrick Leahy, and he too said, gave pretty much the same answer. Nobody wanted to touch it. Why? The truth, and, and in fact, that's what we, have, we don't know about this. The history books don't know it. The media won't even mention the Kennedy assassination these days. And I'm talking about cable. I'm not talking about Fox News. Right. It's really, it's, uh, we're getting more and the more the truth is concealed, the more censorship there is. The more we're, we're getting away, getting away from the principles that the country's supposed to stand for. Freedom of the press, freedom right. of thought, debate, democracy. Right. right. Well said, Joan. Very well said. Some great <laughs> words here. Now, you've been working with Dave and... Uh, it, it, the the U.S. military, of course, when the survivors uh, returned back to the homeland, they were threatened with being court-martialed if they came forth and, and, and spoke out. Has that changed now? The, the survivors that are... Uh, yes, see, yes, yes. Good point. Excellent point. You see, um, in 1979, 
after this is it all in 1967. So in 1979, one of the sailors whose name was Jim Ennis decided he's going to write a book no matter what. He didn't. The, the threat was still on. It would never. No one ever took it away. But he wrote a book and it was published by Random House, and uh, nothing happened to him. So that pretty okay. much broke it. Mm-hmm. And when and Dave too, he didn't speak about this until. But he knew he was the source that Lyndon Johnson had called back the planes. And when he was uh, torpedoed his eyes, and he was on the, in the hospital on the USS America. And one of the admirals of the fleet named Admiral Geis, G-E-I-S-S, he said, after you're ready, come to my stateroom, which is his office. I want to talk to you. And Admiral Geis then told him the story of how Lyndon Johnson had intervened and called the planes back and prevented them from going to the rescue. But he said, you can't talk about this until while I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. terrified. What are we? So anyway, Dave, Dave, good soldier, right? Good sailor, went to the Naval Academy. He kept quiet for 10 years. And then he was at a reunion of the sailors, and he saw an ad- a very courageous admiral named Thomas Moore, M-O-O-R-E-R. Right. And Moore mentioned to Dave that Admiral Geis had died. He had a hip operation. It didn't go well. He died. So now, only at that point, did Dave feel free to talk about the Lyndon Johnson aspect of the story. He, he wouldn't. The, the man is incapable of lying, and I, none of the biographers of Lyndon Johnson, they're covering up for him on a daily basis, have mentioned this. And this Thomas More that you speak of went to Capitol Hill in 2003. You're familiar with that. Well, he asked for he wanted the information for the circumstances for why those planes were called back. He got and when he had become chairman of the Joint Chiefs, now he's uh, and um, he got nothing. He still could find out nothing about the circumstances of the attack on the Liberty. Mm-hmm. He gave comfort. I mean, he was very close to the sailors and to the story, but he couldn't find out anything. He was at the highest level, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. That's not, you know, the, the, this is not a country run by military. So military-industrial complex, though it may be, right? They closed him out. He didn't. He didn't. He couldn't find out anything because the, who knew the story? The story wouldn't. Very That's few washed. people knew it. Yeah. Cyrus Vance knew it, right? And also, um, I'm thinking the, the the CIA station chief in Tel Aviv, whose name is John Haddon. And I wrote a lot about him. He's one of the main characters in my book, knew about it. Israel knew about it. Lyndon Johnson, of course, knew about it. Who else knew about it? So, Joan, at this point, I want to introduce, uh, and I'd like to hear your opinion in regards to, you know, certainly you're saying that uh, you know, military doesn't run the the country. And you have previously in, 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 in the show here for for listeners mentioned uh, corporations. So if we go back to banking, I want to insert so we can hear your opinion. What is your, what do you think about the Federal Reserve? Uh, yes, I, I know that you think that that's the heart of the matter. I don't happen to think so. Okay. President Kennedy didn't like the Federal Reserve and right. he had threatened, in fact, prior to his death, of course, that he was going to get rid of them. And many people see them as a force. Well, what is it? They're really a force for the infusion of capitalism into foreign, into international waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's and and we don't. If you, if you didn't have them, you'd have someone else. They're, they're facilitators. 
but I don't see them as the motivating force of yeah. what's going on here. The USS Liberty, in its day, it was the state-of-the-art uh, intelligence ship. Yes and no. I mean, it was an old ship. It was a World War II okay. freighter. Um, a, a pub, you know, we didn't have enough ships to, 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 to get rid of, to, to fight Japan. So these ships were created on, on like on a chewing gum. So there wasn't a well-made ship or anything like that. It mm. was What was in there was the state of the art of electronics. But the ship itself was weak. Interesting. It was not a strong ship that could withstand anything. Now, what you had on the ship, though, were sailors who had fought in World War II, who had, who had been attacked by German short torpedoes and knew how to save the ship. And I'm thinking particularly of the chief engineer, whose name was George Golden, and, and he saved the ship from a uh, technical point of view. He knew what to do. And I describe it in the book. I'm not going to do it here because it's so technical. Sure. But how he did it, how he did it. And uh, otherwise, they'd be gone. It was, I mean, it seems it seems to have been an easy thing to sink this ship, except for the expertise of these marvelous career military people. After the, after the attack, George Golden renounced his Judaism. Interesting. And he became a Baptist. Oh wow! Became the Baptist preacher, and uh, he didn't know what. And he worked for the um, St. Jude, the children's hospitals, uh-huh. and he was trying to do some good. I, he didn't. Pe- it's confusing how how these people didn't have the education politically to understand what this was and who the United States had become. Yeah. Even as early as 1967, it seemed so. It seemed um, a mystery why they were even in Vietnam. It was a book. Why are we in Vietnam? And, and, and they had no background, they, no structural background to understand what the United States had become, maybe since the Gilded Age, maybe earlier, if, if, according to Howard Zinn's book, A People's History of the United States. All of this began on day one and just grew and grew and grew. But it's, I don't know. It's, yeah. a, it's a poignant story because they, George Golden, he knew we were scapegoats, we were scapegoats. And he wanted to talk. When they, the ship was, the ship didn't sink. The next day, right. they finally got help. The six fleet sent ships, and they they were to the sick people and injured people dying. They were taken to the hospital on the USS American. After that, the ship limped along. It was it was sort of on an angle and uh, listing. That's the word listed. And they and and they went to Malta to for dry dock to get, and also to clean out the bottom and get rid of that water that was there with the dead bodies floating oh, in it. Oh yeah, yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they were warned if they got if they got off the ship and they went on the dock and they walked around Malta, they were never to talk to anyone. They were not to go in uniform. And uh, George Golden talked to some Reuters reporters. I describe it in the book. And uh, they, they they sent him home the next day. Joan, do you think this was an LBJ administration call? Do you think that uh, that his administration alone? Uh, had uh, conspired. Not uh, alone. CIA and Angleton, James Angleton in particular, who's yeah. the head of the Israel desk at CIA, they've been plotting this for several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, Johnson, I think, really was pre- preoccupied with Vietnam. This was an annoying. But this is. Israel wanted Nasser gone more than the U.S., except for Angleton and Dulles. And so I, I, you can't put this all on LBJ, just as you can't okay. put the 
JFK assassination right. only on Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson certainly was a vicious, demonic figure in all this. But, you know, he and he frightened a lot of people. When the sailors of the USS Liberty wrote their war crimes report, which they submitted to the Pentagon, as was required, uh, they don't even mention, they don't, it describes all the war crimes that Israel committed in this attack. They don't even mention Lyndon Johnson. I said, why didn't you, why don't you, I talked to the person who wrote it up, uh, and I said, why didn't you mention Lyndon Johnson? He got mad at me and never spoke to me again. Why? What is so frightening now, even now, though? You find, I mean, the, I hear talk, Lyndon Johnson praised on Morning Joe. Well, it's a right-wing morning show, uh -huh. pretending to be liberal. I don't know what they are. But it's, it's very hard to criticize Lyndon Johnson to this day. Interesting. And I, I God knows if I'll, um, thank you very much, Ian, for putting me on your program. I appreciate it because it's not going to be easy. And one of the people I interviewed was this, the grandson of, of the son, rather, of Adlai Stevenson. If you know, that was a person who ran against President Eisenhower twice. Excellent. And this fellow was a, a U.S. senator, also from Illinois, and he had wanting to. After he left the Senate, he wanted to run for governor of Illinois, and uh, the APAC, that means that's the Israel Lobby Association. Uh, went out, went after him. They pr sent their forces in and resources, and he and he lost by one vote, by a very small amount, less than one percent. So, Joan, do you think that Israel wanted the United States to basically attack Egypt for them? But they, no, they did it. They oh oh oh, I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because those planes that were sent to attack Cairo were U.S. planes with atom bombs in there. And the atom, uh, what do they call it? Nuclear, um, a, uh, what's the, I can't think of the right word. Nuclear, a, they, in other words, they had nuclear aspects to them. Okay. They weren't big atom bombs, but they had nuclear capabilities. Uh-huh. Rockets, I don't know what. I'm not an expert on that. But, uh, and they almost, they almost made it to their target. And only when that was the, the planes were called back, seven minutes, and the, the admiral, uh, the what, the uh, um, chief uh, admiral of the Sixth Fleet, William Inman Martin, talked to some of the sailors of the Liberty who were recovering on his flagship, which was the USS Little Rock, and he sat on the bed. And the wonderful people that talked to me, and he said, "I just want you to know that we did what we can. We were seven minute. We were sending planes to." attack Cairo and were seven minutes from target. And he told this to these sailors who never forgot it and, and, and talked. And so even Jim Ennis doesn't mention these into this, this, which he could have talked to Mo Schaefer, who was the sailor that talked about it later. And he didn't want to put it in. It's frightening to say that we sent, well, yes, we, it's, we, we, we almost had World War Three. You can credit Lyndon Johnson with that. Incredible, Joan. Incredible. You've given us some very insightful information, and I believe that listeners uh, have wet their appetites to go out and purchase blood in the water. Joan, do you have any closing comments, any, any parting words for us? I don't know what to say, except uh, if you're interested in the truth behind the cover-ups, this is yeah. the place to start. It's one place to start. Others have done this too, but this is, it's important to me as a writer to write, a, write the truth that has not been told, like a whistleblower. Right. I don't know if there's a feminine for a female for whistleblower. It's harder to be a woman and do this work. People don't want to of talk course. to women. 
But I did it, and I'm proud of it, and I hope people will read it and comment, send me an email, and uh, look me up. I'm easy, and I'd love to talk to anyone that want, that reads a book and wants to discuss it. Excellent. Thank you, Joan. Uh, and and on behalf of Windward Radio and Discussing Your Truth, I can tell you that I'm extremely proud of the work that you you've done here as well. Uh, Joan, um, have a wonderful uh, rest of your evening and uh, good luck with, uh, with your future endeavors. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Joan Mellon. Blood in the water. I think she brings up a very good point here. Um, a, most Americans have no idea that their own country took out one of their own ships. She talked about the USS Maine, okay, that arrived in Havana Harbor, and there was an explosive device that presumably blew up, that was planted by the American government. It's yellow journalism. I, I alluded to it with William Randolph Hearst. Okay? The blame was not put on the United States. That's, that's where you get into these terms, false flag. We had two weeks ago Cody Snodgrass. He spent time behind bars because of information that he had regarding regards to the Oklahoma City bombing. He says he's a former CIA black operatives. That he was offered a million dollars to blow up that Alfred P. Mora building in Oklahoma City. Think about it, folks. Would your own government take out its own assets? Here you've, there you've got two, two assets that Americans like you, average, everyday, hardworking people, are saying that, yes, your American government, in conjunction with its intelligence agency, the branch the CIA, and quite possibly others, have conspired and have actually taken out their own assets. So who's behind that? Trump talks about deep state. What is the deep state? Average everyday things that we look into here on Discussions of Truth at Winwood Radio that you probably haven't heard of and you take for granted. But if we are to save this republic with the foundation of a constitution, the most perfect document ever written by man, my opinion, you must stand up for the truth and not accept anything else. Because like Dr. Mellon just said, This is a complete and total infringement on free press. Impeach mass media. I'll be right back with some closing comments.
And welcome back. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Drotry. I'm here every Wednesday at 5 o'clock, Winwood Radio. And I bring on guests that dig to tell you that you need to take authority to task. Because only you are the government. That's how this country was built. You have the freedom to say whatever you want. You don't like Trump? Say it. You like Trump? Say it. Who cares? Say it. But the road we're going down, folks, does not look promising for any generation, especially future generations. So if you have a young son, young daughter, if you are a parent, you should be completely appalled at what is happening to your country. Take it for granted because you have a great, strong military. Take that for granted because in a blink of an eye, it'll vanish. Every great empire, if you so choose to call the United States one, goes down the tubes. And it's up to you to save it. And if you don't think... That um, if, you, if you're happy with the way the, the United States is going, go right ahead. But I will say, flip over a dollar bill and find a Latin phrase that should alarm you. It's called Novus Ordo Seclorum that translates into English. It's a Latin phrase that translates into English as New World Order. What is that? Because it's a very real thing. It's so real that it appears on your dollar bill. A Federal Reserve note. Okay. Next week, I'll be right back. Well, right back. It comes around quick, doesn't it? It's an American researcher, Dr. Judy A. Mikovits. She's a vaccine and medical industry activist. Here it is. A research director of the Whitmore Peterson Institute in Reno, Nevada, on November 18, 2011. Mikovic was arrested for not handing over her research to her employer regarding a controversial publication to the journal Science. Having been investigated for allegedly manipulating data, Mikovic had led a research effort that reported in 2009 that a retrovirus known as xenotropic murine leukemia virus-related virus XMRV was associated with CFS and may have had a casual role. The research came under fire and led the journal to make a retraction on December 22nd, 2011, arrested in her Ventura, California home, charges against her were later dismissed by the district attorney's office in Reno. So what was so threatening that her research and her results were not permitted to be published? And again, November 21st, that is a day before the anniversary of JFK assassination. Christopher Fulton will be joining us. His book, again, I mentioned it earlier, has been submitted for the Pulitzer Prize for its historical changing narrative on the president's death. Why do we do what we do? Because danger looks for lurks, folks. And I'm here to try to send a message to get you to wake up and take your government to task because you are the government. Until next week. Be awesome. <laughs>